real quickly, we are in the middle of signing up for small groups. And if you've not been a part of a group before, we would love for you to do that. You can scan the QR code. You can also go, um, there will be some people from our small group team out at the table in the foyer um, right after worship. And if you are not in a group, have not been in a group before, we would love for you to sign up and be a part of the group. Um, the other thing um, is the other QR code with the, the lit- prayer liturgies from last week there. Um, if you missed out on the, the prayer liturgies we talked through last week, um, I think it'll show up right there. Yeah, if you want to scan that. Um, there's also copies in the Connection Center, and you can grab those there. The whole purpose of this series, Sacred Rhythms, is because all of us have rhythms. We all have things that we do on a regular basis. We are creatures of habit. Um, this family, um, I don't remember where, um, was kind of in animal rehab business, if that is a business, and they found a young beaver, and their responsibility was to take care of it and nurse it back to health for about two years. I want you to watch this. And that goes on for about three minutes. But the, the point, like there are things that beavers do. Beavers build dams. And no matter where it was, that is what it did. And, and for you and I, we have those habits as well. Those things we do every single day that form and shape us. And unfortunately, so many of the things that form and shape us aren't necessarily healthy things. They're not things that build us up more and more into the image of Christ. And so the point of this series, Sacred Rhythms, is to kind of look at some of these really basic spiritual disciplines and rhythms that we need in our life to build us as followers of Jesus. And my hope in doing it, things like giving you a prayer liturgy and in practicing some of these things, is to make it super, super practical. So if you're brand new to faith, or maybe you haven't even started a journey of faith, you have a starting point, something really practical that you can take home and begin doing to build this relationship and likeness of Christ. And hopefully, if you've been in this for a while, something that kind of renews and sparks a desire to grow closer to Jesus. And so, going through these basic rhythms of being in the Word, and we gave you a Bible reading plan. We're reading through the Bible this year. Um, last week, we talked about prayer. This week, um, we're going to talk about my three least favorite rhythms And I actually combined them into one week because I'm so bad at all three of them. Um, I didn't want to make myself feel bad for three weeks in a row. So um, I decided I'm just going to preach to myself this morning. And if you want to listen and it's helpful, that's great. 
But um, this one today is for me. And it's the rhythm of um, Sabbath, solitude, and silence. Sabbath, solitude, and silence. And the developing a rhythm, right? A strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement. That we start to do these rhythms so that they become part of who we are and they shape us for our experience in this world, so that we're ready. And my guess is, and I'm sure you've had this happen to you before, but you've had an experience where you have been somewhere, but not really been there. Have you ever been somewhere, but not really been somewhere? We walked into Cheddar's, this was a couple of years ago, um, and I'm sure you probably see it every single day, but it, I, I noticed it then. Walked into Cheddar's, and we were on our way out, and there were four people, probably about 30 years old, sitting at a table together, and all four of them were on their phone, not talking to the people sitting around the table. And I'm guessing you've probably been guilty of that too. Where you're standing there and your spouse is trying to have a conversation, your kids having to have a conversation, and you're on your phone, you're texting, or you're reading something because it's so important. Or your kids come up to you and they're like, Dad, 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 Dad. Because they know it takes four or five times before they can get your attention so that you'll shift your focus toward them. And these rhythms are so important because one of the biggest curses of our age is connectedness. And you can think, well, well, how is that a curse that we're connected? How is it a curse that we're always connected? This this last week, my wife asked me to drive through Chick-fil-A and pick up food for um, one of my daughter's friends. Her mom was out of town and they needed food. And so she sent me the order all I had to do was pull up. Well, I called her because she didn't send me the, the right thing so I could get Chick-fil-A to bring my order out. And so I'm calling her, and she had had a phone problem. She had gone for a walk. She had a phone problem, and I couldn't get a hold of her. And it was funny because I found myself so angry and aggravated that I should be able to get a hold of her at any point I want. Just, just think about it. 20 years ago, if you had gone for a walk, it would be impossible for someone to get a hold of you. And now it's the expectation that you're always on, that you're always connected. And the problem is we can be connected to everyone and know no one. You can be connected to everyone and know no one and not have a deep relationship with anyone. And this is not how it's supposed to be. God God created this this earth, this creation, and he said, it is good. And he creates man and woman, he puts them together in the garden, they have this family, and it's like, this is good. This is how it is supposed to be. And after God finishes his creation, it says God rested. Now, there have been theological debates for centuries over what that meant. That God rested. Did God get tired? Can God get tired? Did God need a break from the work he was doing? And I am not going to answer that for you today because I don't know the answer to that question. I have some ideas and some thoughts, but what I do know is this. Jesus, his son, 
who he gave us to follow and shape our life after, did get tired and did rest and did regularly get away to be by himself. And the reason I put these three together, is one, yeah, I'm not good at them and I wanted to combine them, but when we talk about Sabbath and we talk about solitude and we talk about silence, these are all three rhythms that the, the purpose of is rest. Not, not just simply rest because I'm tired, that's important, but also resting in Christ and listening to Him, creating the, the rhythm of listening and not just always speaking. And so He creates this world and says it's good and He rests from His work. And then there's this fall where, where humanity sins and breaks down and with that, with that sin comes a curse. And part of the curse is that your work is now going to get hard. You were always supposed to be working, but you're going to continue to work, but now your work is going to begin to work against you. That, That was the point of the curse. That you're going to continue to do this work, but now your work is going to get more difficult, and it's going to start to work against you. It's going to start to make life more and more difficult for you. And after this fall, this curse comes, and people start trying to to one-up each other. They start trying to build a name for themselves. They start trying to build empires. And with that comes problems. And God's chosen people who he had set out, pulled apart, and said, you're going to be different than the rest of this creation. Israel finds themselves in a place called Egypt. And and one of the things you'll find in Egypt, for for the most part in Scripture, is Egypt is the place that you wind up when you make really bad decisions over and over again. That's the place that you find yourself. And they find themselves as slaves in Egypt, struggling with this work. And the oppression gets so difficult that God comes to Moses and he says, I've heard my people crying out. I know they're hurting. I know this this is heavy on them. And I want to give them relief. And I want to give them freedom. And so he talks to Moses and this guy named Aaron. He says, I want you to go to Pharaoh and you're going to tell him, let my people go. Moses says, all right, we'll do it. We go to Pharaoh. He says, Pharaoh, God has told us. You need to let the people go. And Pharaoh says, that's nonsense. These people are lazy. They don't do the work they should do. They don't work as hard as they should. So we're going to make the work even more difficult on them so that they don't have time to go worship. We're going to take away their straw. They can go gather their own straw. And we're not going to reduce the number of bricks that they need to make in a day. This is life in Egypt. So we're going to pick up in chapter 5, verse 10. Then the slave drivers and the overseers went out and said to the people, this is what Pharaoh says. I will not give you any more straw. Go and get your own straw wherever you can find it. But your work will not be reduced at all. So the people scattered all over Egypt to gather stubble to use for straw. Um, 
The slave drivers kept pressing them, saying, Complete the work required of you for each day, just as when you had straw. And Pharaoh's slave drivers beat the Israel, beat Israel, the excuse me, the Israelite overseers they had appointed, demanding, Why haven't you met your quota of bricks yesterday or today as before? Then the Israelite overseers went and appealed to Pharaoh, Why have you treated your servants this way? Your servants are given no straw, yet we are told, make bricks. Your servants are being beaten, but their fault is with your own people. Pharaoh said, lazy. That's what you are, lazy. That's why you keep saying, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Now, get to work. You will be given no straw. Yet you must produce your full quota of bricks. The Israelite overseers realized they were in trouble when they were told you were not to reduce the number of bricks required for you each day. And when they left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them. And they said, may the Lord look on you and judge you. You have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. So Pharaoh tells them, you're going to increase the work. You're going to increase the demands. You're going to decrease the supplies. And you're going to decrease their rest. This was the essence of life in Egypt. Work without rest. I wonder if as a culture we've created and put ourselves in a position where we are slaves. Where we're slaves to something. We're slaves to a job, to a paycheck, to a time clock, where every day the habit is just simply work hard, work harder. Because there's a couple of things that come with that curse of empire. There's a couple of certainties that I know for sure. There will always be the need to make more bricks. No one's ever going to get to a point where it's like, hey, we've, we've built enough, we've gained enough, we have enough, we're done. And then there will always be pressure to produce bigger and better. There's always going to be a need to make more bricks. There's always going to be a, the burden, really, of producing bigger and better. Because what you did last is not good enough for today. It needs to be bigger. It needs to be greater. And the problem is so many people will ascribe value to you based on what you produce. And the problem is we find our identity in what we produce ourselves. We find our identity in what we do. And I think the only way you break that cycle, that habit 
of continually work, 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 work is to stop. That's what Sabbath means. It literally means to stop. It's not this idea like, hey, we, we need to stop so you can go to church. It's, that's not the point of what Sabbath rest was. It was to say stop, to stop working, to stop wanting, to stop worrying. My favorite definition is to cease from striving. As I said, this is for me because I spend a lot of time striving. I spend a lot of time working. I spend a lot of time worrying. I spend a lot of time trying to produce bigger and better. And I don't spend enough time stopping, slowing down, And in fact, our culture has zero rewards for slowing down. My guess is you'll never have an employer say, hey, you have been working really, really, really hard, and we are thankful, so you need a break. My guess is they're going to say, we've seen you, you've been working really, really hard, and we're super thankful for that, and we want you to keep it up. And the problem, and I think this is what God knew about the need for Sabbath, was eventually you can't keep going. Eventually you are going to stop. You're either going to do it because you've chosen to stop, or you're going to do it because you get to a place where you're so unhealthy that you must stop. I wonder, with so many of the things that we see in our culture today, so much of the the mental illness, the anxiety, the depression, if it's not a result of us not ceasing from striving, not stopping, not slowing down, not breathing, not, not taking time for ourselves, not taking time to be with Jesus, time to read and to pray and to fill up our life so that we're prepared for the world that we face. And maybe. Maybe you're great at that. Maybe it's not a struggle for you, and that's, that's amazing. But my guess is, just simply because we are a product of the environment that we live in so often, my guess is, whether you're retired or not, you struggle with always going and never slowing down and never breathing. And for the, the next few moments, kind of entering into a time where I want you just to breathe. I want you just to be quiet. 
Um, we're going to take communion in just a moment. If you want to grab your little cup, and we're going to kind of format it like we have the last several weeks. We're going to have a reading, and then we're going to take, we're going to pray, and we're going to take the, the bread, and we're going to have a reading, and we're going to take the, we're going to pray, and then we're going to take the cup, and then we're going to have a reading again. But I just want to invite you just for the next few moments to kind of just be still and to rest. If you want to sing with us, sing with us. If you want to just listen and be quiet, be quiet. But whatever you need to do to begin that rhythm of finding rest in your soul. As we've been in this series, one of the things we're trying to do is practice some of these rhythms. And, and give you a place to kind of learn. Um, and the, the point of Sabbath, of solitude and silence, is not, hey, you have to do this. And if you don't do this. But God has said, this is a blessing for you to enjoy and for you to find life in. And the Pharisees, they made it so legalistic. Here's what you can do, here's what you can't do. And Jesus comes along and he says, wait, 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 wait. I didn't make you so that you could observe the Sabbath. I gave you the Sabbath so that you could be blessed, so that you could find rest, that you could find healing for your soul. And in a world that's so intent on go, 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 do, 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 you're always connected. I can always get a hold of you. But there are times that you stop. Because it's not that the, the going is bad. Right? There, there's this place in Luke, kind of like a hinge chapter in chapter 10 that's super, super important, where Jesus tells a story that we all know so, so well. Even if you've never been in church in your life, you've probably heard the Good Samaritan, right? where, where the Levite and the priest, they walk by and they don't render aid, they don't give help. But then the Samaritan walks by and he picks the man up, he puts him on his donkey, he takes him to an inn, he takes care of him. And, and the point is, you should be like the good Samaritan. And Jesus asks this question, he says, which one was the neighbor? And he says, well, it's the one who helped. And Jesus finishes that story with go and do likewise. And then I believe, I think Luke did this on purpose, right? He puts another story right on the heels of it. I think this was very intentional. He tells a story of Jesus going to the home of Mary and Martha. Jesus walks in. Mary's running around. I'm sorry, Martha's running around preparing for Jesus to come, cooking and cleaning and getting everything right. And Mar Martha gets so mad because Mary's not helping, and she goes to Jesus and she says, hey, tell my sister to come and help me. And Jesus says, wait, 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 wait. You need to understand that only one thing is really important. And Mary has chosen what is important. To come and sit at my feet. So you, you have this story that ends with basically this idea, go and do. You go and do likewise. And then right on the hills of it is this second story, which is the exact opposite message. It's not go and do, it's come and sit. And he creates this, this contrast of go and do and come and sit. And it's not that one's right and one, the other's wrong. It's that there's a time and a place for both. 
There's a time to go do and do what is right and be a part of God's kingdom. There's also a time to come and sit and find restoration for your soul. And see, the problem is, if we never create space to come and sit, we will not have the strength to go and do. If we don't create space in our life to come and sit and be with Jesus, we will not have the strength to go and do. So I wanted to end with this this morning, just kind of practicing. And I'll tell you, you're going to watch a video in just a second, and it will probably, if, if you're like me, it will drive you insane because you have to wait. It's not fast. My hope is it will be something that brings life to you in this moment.
when uncomfortable. And what, what's crazy is it's so hard to escape the noise. I heard, heard little dings and notifications going off. And, and I'm not trying to call you out if that was you. Um, you can repent later, but that's okay. Um, but I think it's a, something that's so hard to escape that you have to be very intentional about it. And my hope is as we practice, maybe it's something for you, it's like I can't take a day. Maybe you can take 30 minutes and just be still and rest and be silent and listen. Father, today we thank you so much um, for the rhythm that's so hard for us, so difficult for us. But Father, we know that we need it. Not that we need to do it to make you happy and pleased with us, but we need to do it because you have given it to us as a blessing. A way to re-energize and bring life to our weary souls. And Father, I think many, many times we'd just rather complain about how tired we are or how busy we are rather than listening to what you have told us to do. And so, Father, we pray that you would give us the strength and the wisdom to be able to push pause, to turn off all the devices, even just for a moment, to be in your presence. We thank you so much for Jesus, our Savior. We pray this in his name. Amen. Hey, we're going to sing in just a second. Our shepherds are going to be in the back with their spouses. We would love to help you if we can in any way. Um, whatever we can do to help you as you walk with Jesus. If you need someone just to pray over you or if you want to talk about giving your life to Him and being baptized into Him, they would love to help you while we stand and sing.